Hey, everybody. It's good to be with you. As always, we got one hot guest today, Dr. Dave Carney at Ass Invader. Whoops. But before that, look, to everybody that's been listening and continues to listen, thank you so much. Thank you so much. We're thrilled to have you on board. And so you know what's going on out there, I'm going to just, let me pull this up here on the old dashboard analytics. Yeah, that's hot stuff. Good podcast material. Where are you from? This is in the past week. We got a lot of you in Denver. Duh. Littleton. That's not far from Denver. Duh. But whoa. California? Pine Grove. Lodi. Pioneer. Mountain View. We got Portland, Oregon, Phoenix, Arizona, Ashburn, Virginia, and we go global, Sydney, St. Austell, UK. That's my cousin. No, not really. Whitby, Canada, Rotterdam, Barcelona, Barcelona, Paris, France. Every week, Paris, France. The global community grows for this common conversation about food. Episode 16, begin. Okay, I'm, I just hit record again. So he's recording right now. We need to do the beep. Oh, yeah, right wait. Uh, we do this thing. But don't, don't ever hit stop once we do the beep. Yeah, don't hit. Uh, we, we count down from three, and then Mark and I, and then you, you join us in like a, about a three-second beep. Just make a beep sound with your mouth, because then it's easy to line up the audio tracks later. Oh, I see. So, yeah, okay. So three, two, one. Sustain, sustain the beep. Oh, I'm supposed to sustain the yes. beep. Three. That's two, weird. One. Boop. Okay. That'll work. That'll work really good. What is that? That that's a good sound. That could be an audio cue. That's my fake fart noise that I do in elevators. Is that just just with your throat and mouth, or is there like hands over the no, mouth? No, it's kind of out the side of the mouth. And then... Oh, you do that oh. in elevators? That's a pretty good idea. Yes. Uh, well, it sounds like one of those farts that you just kind of lose. You just lost. Con- you're, you, you've been concentrating on it, and you kind of lost control of it in the elevator. It just <laughs> slipped out of a buttock. It just. <laughs> Oh, one buttock. I haven't done it in a long time. I can tell it's like the quality's really low, and my style's down. I don't know, but when you described what kind of fart it was, it clicked for me. Yeah, that always seems to happen in elevators. Well, when, when, I, when I'm in an elevator, I don't hold them in. <laughs> can you uh, introduce the guest, Josh? Oh yeah, so we've got uh, we've got Dave Carney on the line here from yep. uh, Glendale, California. Yes, Dave is a natch rancher. Oh. Dave is <laughs> this dude. <laughs> no, Dave used to. I mean, used to, they, used they, to fart in elevators. Not he, so much anymore. No, he still farts in elevators. Well, he said he. If I'm hearing him back. right, no, it's been a while. I, no, Dave is like a Renaissance man. Who Dave is a mag. He's a. Yeah, he's I don't use been a magazine so editor. He's been a. He's worked at ad agencies. He's a foodie. Oh, he's been. He's an ideator. He is an ideator. Oh, we love ideators. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> Great job with the introduction, John. <laughs> well, no, I just I feel bad because I, I was realizing as you were pressing me to do an introduction that I often go right to Big Brother skateboarding. Mm. I think because it was like such well, a big deal to me when I was a kid. I used to read it all the time and then got pers- to write personal, for it a little bit. Personal, but, uh, his, but, but it, yeah. personal history is what he was trying to say. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. when you met Josh via a letter or email, Dave? Um no. However, you no, might have. But I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming it was a. I'm assuming it was a letter, right? Probably a query, right? No, you know what? This is good. Um, the I sent Dave an email. The year must have been about 1999, and I just finished journalism school, had my BA, and I sent Dave an email saying, "Hey, I just got my BA in journalism, and I love your magazine. You should hire me." That was. The, yeah, that was my genius approach. And then Dave wrote back, yeah, sure, man, you're fucking hired. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's in my head, actually. That was the response that I would have yeah. written right now. And I was wondering if I was smart enough to have written it way back in 1999. Uh, oh, yeah, even keel. But it was a great, actually, that was a powerful email because it, it, was, it was eye-opening for me. Yeah, uh, that was, like, was wow, a, um, so I this feel like what you do. That, that email. I got because yeah, I got I think, your email a lot. Like, hey, I want to do this article on, you know, Niagara Falls or something. Can I? Will you put it in the magazine? Yeah, sure, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's I like Where it. That it? was pretty. That was yeah. Where, that was pretty direct. Will you hire me? That's, yeah, that's, but that's I didn't, a, that's I didn't, I didn't even give him an like, idea. I wasn't like, hey. No, I, that's my point. That's why like, it's a little bit more aggressive. It's not like I want to write this story. No, no just hire like, me. Just trust me. I, I'm good for this. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the, the real way to get in was sort of like, well, the Johnny Knoxville approach, right? Like, didn't he send you videos of his friends shooting him with guns while he was wearing a bulletproof vest? No, that was, we were, we were already working together when, when that, uh, when that happened. And that was actually, well, that was sort of the impetus for how we met because he was trying to do that article, the self-defense article, and he was shopping it around to other magazines, which I don't remember what they were, like GQ and Rolling Stone, whatever. The major magazines who were <laughs> they heard his idea, like, you want to shoot yourself? Uh, yeah, no. Um, but we heard about it because there was some weird connection between Knoxville and some other friends and Spike Jones in Chicago. He had some connections with our circle and we just got wind of that article that he wanted to pepper spray himself and put on a bulletproof vest and shoot himself. And we were like, yeah, um, we'll do that. The, the problem, oh, the other thing was he needed, he needed the money for the bulletproof vest, which... Um, Those aren't cheap. It's always money. Yeah, and... Yeah, that was the other thing. I think most of the other magazines said no on the basis of just like how much it would cost to buy a bulletproof vest, and I, I don't remember where, if we got how we got it, whatever. We just said yeah, fuck yeah. Um, but it also turned into like everything was, you know, funny and lovely until the the gun came out. Like they had to go to the canyon to go do that to go shoot himself and that's when also a bunch of people started backing out like, like there was <laughs> someone else was supposed to shoot him and that was loomis i think was the one who was supposed to fucking pull the trigger and he decided nope i'm not doing this someone who was supposed to film it backed out um it and it got down to like there was just two people left that would help him go do it and obviously he did it and he survived was there some sort of uh, like a contract, or did he write something absolving anyone no. of manslaughter charges? <laughs> no, or? we do, we know nothing of contracts. 
I, I would have yeah, demanded a waiver before I pulled the trigger. I don't know if I could have pulled the trigger. I wonder if there was, actually. I didn't... I don't remember one, but uh, yeah. In hindsight, that seems like that probably would have been a good idea, but yeah. we were yeah. we weren't full of good ideas at the time. Next time, we're just different good ideas. <laughs> Your good ideas weren't encumbered by like pragmatic concerns. No, good. and actually, I've continued that tradition to this day. Whereas the rest of them, those who went on to do Jackass and work with MTV. They're more than familiar with contracts and signatures and liabilities and all that. And when, <laughs> when I went to go work for jackassworld.com, that, was, that became kind of an issue because mm-hmm. they needed everything signed. And we were doing a lot of skateboard stuff and getting release signatures in skateboarding is something that's still to this day pretty foreign. Um, and it was just, it was kind of embarrassing to be at a, at a session or a spot and skating and we'd film and i'd be responsible for getting like everyone's signature and it would be a lot of like what the fuck is this what and you know it would it would compromise my integrity and my street cred Um, big time and so yeah i just stopped doing it and there was actually a really funny fight between me and cossack that went on jackass world where cossack actually totally got me to to blow up he got my goat he pushed all my buttons and i exploded because I wouldn't get with the program. That's that was the um, the gist of the argument. Dave didn't would not get with the program, and there I still with the program. That's his T-shirt. Yeah, get with the don't program. Get with, don't get with the program. No, no, that sounds like Bart Simpson. I like the idea of when it just says get the get with the program. Okay, I'm in. For our listeners, uh, that's that's Rick Kosick. He was the photo edit, photo editor of Big Brother. Am I right? Among oh, other yeah. things. Among other things, of course. I mean, that was the cool thing about that magazine is. It wasn't just that you weren't just a photo editor. You were, like, part of the guts of it. There were all the personalities kind of in this big stew of weird you wanted creative in. madness. Oh, oh so just hire badly. Me. Hire me. So badly. I'm so good. <laughs> I'll I have, tell you, I have I'll a tell BA. You. Well, at some point, I, I realized, I think, I, I actually should send him an article. Maybe that would work. Yeah. And I was working a, uh, I was a film critic for a crappy little local paper, and so I had the chance to interview Franca Patente, who uh, was just coming off of Run, Lola, Run. Run, Lola, Run. And she was in a new movie by the same director, Tom Twyker, I think is his name, Don't with this guy, Benno Furman, who was like a German soap actor. So I got to interview them, and I just asked them a lot about, like, Meisterbrow, and they were really interested in bears. They wanted to talk about bears. It was a really goofy interview, and uh-huh. I had a goofy picture, and so I... Where's this going? I sent it to Dave, because yeah. they had a Who Fucking Cares section in the magazine. Uh-huh. So I sent it to Dave, and I was like, this time, maybe it'll, maybe it'll happen. And... He wrote back. He said, uh, I, I'm trying to figure out why you sent me this. This is so fucking dumb. <laughs> and so, so then I was kind of crestfallen. But then about two or three months later, a friend called me and was like, dude, your picture's in Big Brother. How'd that happen? And oh. I, then I like peed a little bit and I ran and got it a copy. It just showed up in there? There it was. It was part of a what the, it was a part of a who fucking cares double header. Oh, oh that's. Oh, what that, that interview sort- was? Yeah, yeah. Okay. With uh, I think something Chris Naraco wrote about uh, scooters, riding scoot like aggressive scooter riding well, or something. There's so much packed huh. into that story about the editorial style of Dave Carney, right? <laughs> there's so much to learn. <laughs> it's like, yeah, bait and all. Well, bait and switch sounds bad, but fuck you. What is this shit? Oh, I'm putting the magazine over here. See if he's out about it. But it's he actually, did. It's, it's similar to kind of how you conduct yourself, Mark. Uh, it's like you can kind of do the same thing with Mark. You'll throw an idea out and he'll kind of make a sound 
and then like a month later, it'll all of a sudden be I brought it to life. a reality. So right. I'm stewing on. I'm thinking about it. Yeah. So that was good. A great way to learn the ins and outs of the magazine. Well, there um, and hey. Should hey? we talk about food? Oh, yeah, I guess we could do that. <laughs> we could do that. It's, I, it's, all I'm looking at is we have an outline for this show, Dave. Imagine that. And it says uh, spatchcocking. I, I, oh. I was promised oh, yeah, news at the beginning, but I, I haven't heard any news. <laughs> we're getting oh, we'll to, that. Get to the news. It's, it's, history. History. It's, it's good, I guess, to start with history. You go with the past first, now move context. into the present, mm-hmm. and I suppose we'll so, end with the future. Ooh, did we? Which is another magazine yeah, kind of. that almost came to fruition. I, I think we, we packed our future news stories up front. Oh, man. No, That's here, let's right. talk about spatchcocking. Have you ever spatchcocked anything, Dave? I have. Nice. A chicken? No, my cock. There, all right. <laughs> so you cut the sternum out of your cock? No, I, dispatch, I dispatched of my cock. Oh, it's gone? Yep. I just heard Did Detachable you? Penis the other day, by the way, on the radio. Was, uh, that I, is a great song. I had forgotten was about that, that song. King Missile? What's that? Is that King Missile? Was that the name of that band? I think so. Tanya said it out loud. Um, she's, I think she said King Missile, One Hit Wonder. And um, I, I think uh, it's got uh, Club Mix 4 as the uh, beat. <laughs> club, oh. club, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to correct you there. It's Club Dance Beat, not Club Mix Beat. Club Dance Sorry. Beat. It's important. Thank you for keeping the integrity. So why does it say spatchcocking on my outline? Okay, so spatchcocking. Do you know what spatchcocking is, Dave? We've, we've, I have actually really spatchcocked a chicken before. Yeah. I like so it. You, yeah. you cut out the, the backbone of the beast. Yeah. And then you kind of cut out part of the sternum, too, and then you flatten it down. Yeah. And you grill it. Yeah. And uh, I think I read about it in Stephen Reichland's, one of his barbecue... Ah. Galaxy books. Oh, is that the guy with the yeah, like the, he looks the show? Like, he looks like Rick Bayless. Yeah, and he's when yeah. have you seen him on TV? He's got like eight smokers going. Oh yeah, yeah. he's got oh, like my a God, He's got the best show. We fucking watch it, and just <laughs> I can't stand that guy. He has the strangest way of talking. Wait, I can't. I used to be able to do his voice so good, he, but he has just the really strange delivery. We can yeah. put <laughs> first. We want to break down the chicken and cover yeah. it. With marinade, just, he's is, fucking weird. Yeah, I know. Is it, it's kind of Shatner-esque, but without the. the but bravado. that show, am I mistaken? Like when I when I have memories of that show, it's well, like it's still on. Is, he's still making episodes, or are they? Oh all, yeah, because I got, just saw repeats. He's got like barbecue university, and it. it's like his big oh, ranch with like a hundred fucking grills. He's got big tools, big grills. A, yeah, he's got a big spatchcock. Yeah, he's got a compound. Somewhere, I don't know right? if he's yeah. recording new episodes, but they they uh, they come across public television. A slew of them, whatever, will come across come out every few months or whatever. And yeah, we always put him on for a second to have a giggle. Mesmerizing. His books are a little easier to digest because you don't have to listen to him talking. Yeah. But uh, but what what I remember reading in the book was that spatchcocking is really useful. Uh, it's popular in like developing countries because you don't need as big of a fire and you don't have to cook it as long. Yeah. So it's like a faster way to cook something. But what I've noticed is when I cook American birds, big titted American birds, or just you know birds with like so much extra meat because they've mm. just been bred to be enormous, like the spatchcocking doesn't work all that well. Mm. It gets so crispy and cooked on the outside, and then you cut it open, there's still like blood dripping out. It's all it's not raw. good with a chicken, right? You yeah, don't I think my chicken. results are probably similar because. It- I've never, I obviously don't do it very often. I think that's because the results are a little underwhelming. So 
it, it kind of pops up like once a year, like, oh, I should fucking spatchcock something. Just because I'll hear the word spatchcock and it sounds awesome and I want to go spatchcocking. Um, so then I spatchcock it and it comes out, it's decent, whatever, but it's like mostly forgettable. And so then I don't spatchcock anything until I hear the word spatchcock again the next year. Do you ever I'll, use bricks? Do you ever try using bricks wrapped in foil to kind of press down on the meat? I don't know. I did that. Uh, I, I know I've seen that, but I just. No. What would it mean to go spatchcocking? I want to go spatchcocking. It's just like run around running the neighborhood around with scissors in people's to... backyards threatening to grill their birds a special way. Oh, yeah, you could rip their beer can chicken off the grill and just I want to go spatchcocking. mutilate it. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so I got a life hack here for us. Life hack. We have an audio cue for that. Uh, so I was telling my friend James, he was over the other night, and I was complaining about spatchcocking. And what he does is he does that. He... he uh, Spatchcocks it, gives it over the hot fire, lets it get nice and crispy and seared on both sides. Mm-hmm. Then he takes it off and he wraps it in foil with a bunch of potatoes and onions and puts it back on the grill to finish cooking. A little slow cook after that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So there you go. There's your spatchcocking Crisp- life hack. Okay. That's why I wrote spatchcocking on the outline. <laughs> Great. I wanted to deliver that life hack. You also wrote eat cricket bars. Oh, well, I thought it would be kind of rude. Yeah, let's not, let's not save have that. a cricket bar for But Dave. I got I to gotta address this because did you listen? I listened to the last podcast. And I think I went insane for about a three-minute stretch with this Richard Dawkins, Richard Dawson thing. Oh, yeah, you did. I kept saying Richard Dawkins. Right, out, and out I wasn't picking up what you were talking about. Which, And you rightly identified that human as the eighth, leading atheist mind. Well, I think I thought he was a physicist, but and I was an close. evolutionary biologist. Yeah, I think he's an evolutionary biologist. Um, and I was insistent that it was Richard Dawson, the Family Feud host, <laughs> but I kept saying Richard Dawkins. You did. Over and, I wasn't, and over and, and I over. Thought we, I thought you were talking about Running Man. I was. So I assumed you meant you were trying to reach Richard Bachman, yeah, Stephen King's it, pen name. I, I couldn't. So we had a, a dick mix-up, a big Richard big swirling mix-up. I, I just want everybody to know that I'm aware of the difference, and I was talking about Richard Dawson, who was that sort of Lothario yeah, he was like host. the yeah, he was like the Family Feud host. You could tell was like was padding shit. asses behind. Oh, he was. I think I think stage. on camera he was. Yeah. Yeah, he like made Bob Barker look chaste. I think it's ooh, weird that ooh. people care. Oh yeah, Beckett's here. <laughs> hey Beckett. Uh, I'm actually looking to see if I have. I'm pretty sure I have that dude's book on a list of books I'm supposed to read. Yeah, Richard Dawkins, The Magic of Reality, How We Know What's Really True. Because yeah. Richard Dawson tells Next us. Next podcast. All right. Oh, wait, speaking of... Oh, wait, see, this here's a segue. Dawkins. Dawson. I see what you just did. I got it. So, Dave, one of the the other ways that Dave communicates with the world at large is through Instagram. Is this the only... Are you a social media guy, or is this it? Um, That is... I've ventured into all the other arenas, and I have found them all wanting or not to my liking... Um, so yeah, it, uh, Instagram is my um, my link to the social media world. I've tried. I'd like when I, uh, when I was at an ad agency, we were working on uh, that ag- agency had been granted the was going to be the agency for Twitter, um, which they also did Google, so they would have owned the internet actually if they had taken that uh, client. But so I worked on a Twitter account for <clears throat> about a month and. Uh, in so doing, I kind of had to sign up for Twitter and learn how to twat, and it was it was interesting. I just never really got that into it. And then actually, the, what's funny is that that agency actually told Twitter to fuck off because they were too busy, which I thought was just like what. 
You're too busy to take the Twitter account. Okay, fine. Look at the balls on that agency. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, dumb. Maybe dumb balls. Well, dumb. Hey, integrity. Yeah. <coughs> well, what do you mean integrity? They don't, the they, don't, they don't have time to properly service Twitter. It was too busy on Carl's Jr. <laughs> it was actually. It was 72 and Sunny. They, they do Google, Carl's Jr. Um, oh! um, yeah, they do those horrible fucking Carl's Jr. ads. They do How a lot I of do that? Nike stuff. I don't know. It's 72 and Sunny, and they yeah they turned down Twitter because they were too busy. Oh, we should. We yeah. got another podcast about the ad. Co- well, that's not food. You know what, though? I saw, speaking of bad Carl's Jr.'s ads, I saw like a ramping up for the big Fourth of July holiday ad. Uh, and it was a double patty burger with hot dogs on yeah. it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought it was like I thought I was seeing like a clip of Tim and Eric or something somehow on TV because yeah. I was like, this, this can't be real. And then it was a real Carl's Jr. thing. Real... Whole, told... You know, when you walk past the boards, because I was working in the same building, my desk was in the same building as the Carl's Jr. people, and it was just always weird <laughs> to walk past their you know their concept boards and everything and just see all that shit in one place just like eat like a man and just fucking just the most ridiculous shit. eat like you mean i think it's eat like you mean it or something is uh, the line and just you know pictures of basketball players and chicks with boobs and it's just it was just a very curious corner of that building that i'd have to walk past and be like what the fuck yeah i uh i don't know if i've told you this story josh and i know i haven't told dave that I saw, so the, the big agency in Boulder is Crispin Porter Bogusky, which became this giant thing in its heyday, and is still a big deal. But at at that at that high point, they were like ideating like a machine. There were so many ideas coming up that I and I saw this. It's like a bound hardback hardcover book, two three hundred pages on new product ideas for Burger King, and they Jeez. are outrageous. You know, there's like here's like the eight patty burger. Why not? Like they invent they invented like chicken fries or chicken fries. I think chicken fries came out of that book or something. Oh my God, it's just you open it now and you're like, oh no, this what is could have been? This, this is not where we need to be thinking <laughs> with our smartest brains. Is uh, ide- is ideating a word? Oh, if it wasn't before, it unfortunately is now. It is absolutely a word, especially in the ad culture. You oh, said yeah. it, you said in the beginning, I think an ideator, and I I've always been bothered. I learned the word like. Uh, at the, at the agency I've worked in, it's like you go out and you go concepting, and that's oh, not yeah, a word, I, which I was kind of bummed on because concepting actually seems to make sense to me, um, but apparently it's not a word. Can't go concepting. I, so. I wonder if ideation is or ideating is in the OED yet. They do they make yearly additions to that. This is yeah a con- yeah. Oh. Ideate I is think- a word actually on uh-huh. Webster's. Ideated. It's just, I, yeah, ideate is a verb. You don't have to use it, but... <laughs> yeah, it's one of those words. I don't know what it... I think, what does it actually mean to create an idea or concept? Something like that? Yeah, form yeah. an idea. I yeah. think it, more, more succinctly, it's like to make your mind jizz, kind of. Yeah. Well, that's what, <laughs> they're, that's what they're paying you for. Brain skeet. Brain skeet. Brain skeet. <laughs> New hashtag. Let's do, let's do some news. All right, you want to do some news? I have some other surprises, too. Uh-oh. Well, let's do a couple news, then we'll do a surprise. Okay. But you're up first here with Drone Aid. Oh, right. Okay. I don't know. D- did Dave ever get the news stories? I sent yeah. him the links. Yeah, but I didn't look at them. Okay. You can just Because I don't give a well, shit. I, just, I figured I, you guys will tell me about it, so I'll, I'll learn about it right now. That's that's the it's probably, educational yeah. side of this podcast. Yeah. I thought that was what I was on. 
to learn. You're just here to learn and react. Yeah, I was just going to, yeah, I'm just like no, a really no, bad student sitting in the front of the class. Just to learn, yeah. So we got this article. Uh, it's from NBCnews.com. Uh, it's called American Farmers to FAA. Hey, we want drones. It's by Mark Koba. And don't know him. You don't know Mark Koba? It's a huge drone reporting beat guy. Uh, so what's the deal here? Drone drones reporter. would be <laughs> drones along. What did you say? I, I didn't say anything. Somebody said something. No, I, I, I just said drone reporter is just. Oh, drone reporter. He's, yeah, he's that, on the like, drone beat. That sounds like a, a Daily Show sort of thing. Our what do they say like yeah. our resident drone reporter. Kind of does. But the the thing is, there's enough drone news for one reporter to make a whole career. I only brought that up because I seem, being the insider that I am. Yeah, gilded insider. <laughs> I, I seem to know half the people we cite in this podcast. Oh, right. Podcast. That's why I said he didn't and know I, Mark Koba. And I love to say either whether they're a pro or not. You know, one thing you should know about Mark real quick, too. Uh, Forbes magazine once crowned Mark a kingmaker. Oh! In the consumer, what was it? In consumer? <laughs> consumer products. Yeah, they had his picture and everything. <laughs> Wow. So so like do, you have a, do you have a scepter? <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> we'll make one. All right. So uh, next month, the FAA, they're expected to issue preliminary guidelines on the commercial use of unmanned aircraft systems. Uh, currently, they're pretty much banned in the U.S. Other countries have more of an open use pro- uh, policy. But the thing is, uh, farmers would really like to use drones. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I lied. Actually, I did glance at the. I remember this now. And the one thing that struck me was that... Um, Drones are illegal? <laughs> the, these kind. Well, I mean, just flying drones these? around? You, know, you can have them as a hobbyist, I think. Well, well you can have them if you're the New Balance skate uh, marketing yeah. guy, because all their skate videos. Yeah, there, are, there must be loopholes here. Yeah. I know you can use them if you're... I, I would assume you have to get licensing. A top like special military one-time professional. Licensing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want to blow someone up somewhere else. Hey. Well, going back to the get with the program sort of thing. I'm pretty sure most of the skate videos I've seen that use drone technology didn't go through the proper channels. So I'm just, yeah, I'm, that's what like kind of popped out at me on that one. I'm like, whoa. Like, could be a black drone, market for drones. Cr- drone is a crime. Droning, droning is not a crime. T-shirts on the, on the way. He's making more T-shirts. Yeah. Dave, you're ideating. I just saw uh, Quit Simpsons. doing that for free. I saw Simpsons yesterday, and it was the one with Bart makes a bunch of T-shirts. And one was, I've barfed more beer than you've drunk. It was a drank. <laughs> I've barfed more beer than you drank. I remember looking at the drank and drunk part. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Drones. Oh, that's fine. No, but that's interesting, because I, I can remember seeing, it was, I think it's like New Balance, the shoe company, they've recently entered the skate shoe market. And they put together like a really... Pretty expensive video where they had parts of LA that looked completely abandoned and people skating through them, and it was clearly all shot with drones. Well, we know because so I assume a big company like that probably wouldn't no, feel comfortable cutting corners, but who knows? No, they're, they're just hot lobbying DC for a special shoe exemption on the drone laws, skate shoe especially, skate shoe especially. Not, it looks so ill. We know for a fact that in Russia, because we wrote about this, yeah. our foreign correspondent Yamaya, yeah, in the Netherlands, yeah. Yeah, yeah she wrote about you, in Russia. They'll deliver your, a pizza to you via drone, and it worked one time at least. And a lot of futurists think that, uh, especially in crowded cities of the future, it's going to be drone delivery because you can't be driving Look, refrigerated trucks in. Kingmaker moment. We were talking to Pepsi years ago. They were let. They seemed much less interested in like how to get healthy in this natural food movement than in what do we do when these cities have a billion people in them 
and we got to deliver soda in and it's going to take five days per truck. Not going to work. They were investing in like weird refrigeration well, technology. Well, soda has a pretty long shelf life. I wouldn't worry so much about it. Well, then maybe Quaker Oats. <laughs> no, I guess that's got a shelf Maybe vegetables. Too. Maybe Odwalla. Is that the one they bought? Odwalla? Okay. How I say it. <laughs> so here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... Oh, go ahead, Dave. I was just going to say, I think the emphasis is on the wrong syllable. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the emphasis. Odwalla. That's uh, another rich tradition on this podcast is uh, mispronouncing words and arguing over their true pronunciation. So. For at least several minutes at a stretch. So, so even Richard Dawson. Richard Dawson. <laughs> yeah. Richard Dawson. Richard Dawkins. Dachun. Dachun. How do you say Dachshund? Is it Dachshund? Yeah. I feel like I know how to say it, but then uh, every time I see the word again, it, it no, exits it's my mind. A lot of people say dash hound, and I don't... It's, it's like acceptable, but it's wrong. So many people say it that it's just be, become forced into being acceptable, but um, it's pronounced Dachshund. But and if you, want to throw, if you want to throw a German inflection on it, you can. I don't. I just say Dachshund. How do they say it in Germany? Like, how would it sound? I'm not going to try, but I would imagine it's... Well, I'm going to try it. Dachshund? No, yeah, probably like that. Dachshund. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Farmers cannot use them, meaning drones. Hey, you're reading my quote. Well, yeah, I'm moving it along. Stepping on my quote. You take it. You run That's it. costing the U.S. economy, according to a report from the Association for Unmanned Vehicle Systems International. <laughs> A-U-V-S-I. The report says the drone industry could generate more... This is the best. Good choice of quote, Hey, Josh, I'll pick them. Quotation. The report says the drone industry could generate more than $82 billion for the economy in the first decade of its commercial use, with agriculture accounting for $75 billion of that figure. Pretty so impressive. I just like the economic there's a drone association. That they, they get their <laughs> shit together <laughs> pretty early. On, right there. Like I, got, I, got, uh, I got tapped by some dude on LinkedIn who is the president of the Motorized Skateboard Association. and um, MSA. I, 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> what an illustrious post. He and yeah. the drone guy should hook up. I mean, the technologies are probably a little interchangeable, right? Yeah. yeah they, could, they could unite, pool their resources. So but, that's but the oh, one thing I think the farmers too are saying that one way they could save money is they would reduce manpower. They would need to hire people to basically like Jesus. comb the fields and see where what areas need special attention. They could just survey by drone. They could just start tweeting. Yeah. So so again, this this problem too of technology coming in and taking over pretty much every job. That but if you don't let it happen, do. you're getting behind the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. But we're all going to be out of work soon. We're just going to be content machines. That's that's for another they can podcast. Sell Odwalla bars too. You said it right. Why can't they just use the drones? Like, who's going to tell them not to? The uh, FAA. I well, would, then yeah, I, I guess you like just you're... do it until someone tells you not to. Quit complaining about it and just use the drones. Like, I don't... It's true. I but, I mean, you could get shut for down. breaking the law. Yeah. You could get shut the fuck down. Yeah, then, then what do you got to do? Then you got to get out there on your tractor again. Oh, no, if they let you, you might lose your farm. Your license. Everything. Lose your farming license. <laughs> your farming license. <laughs> All right. So is that is that it? We good on that one? I guess we're good. Drones? Did anybody learn anything? I yeah. thought there weren't it's... any farmers anymore anyway. Oh. Ooh. How do you mean? There's a bunch of old guys t- toiling in fields. There's no <laughs> young generation. It's starting to happen, though. There's that sort of hipster runoff. Yeah, we'll uh, see how long that lasts. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they need they... a drone for their backyard lettuce patch. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just want, so they I just can want survey to see what, it looks, see what it looks like from above. I need to post a different <laughs> angle picture of, of my uh, kale patch here. 
No, they might have a backyard chicken they need to slaughter. You got to pick which one. With a drone? A drone equipped with like <laughs> yeah. a laser beam? Oh, even better. <laughs> right. Well, that's when they really poultry, need to start being regulated. Poultry right? drone strikes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. All right. All right, so we did all learn something. So you want to do what? Let's do one more, then we'll take a break for your surprise. Okay. Sludge sofa. This photosynthetic furniture can grow you dinner by Adele Peters Fast Company. Is she, uh, she a pro? Don't know her. Oh. <laughs> uh, did, I, did I read this article? I did. Shit, I was hoping did you did. Did you read it? I'm reading it now. I mean, I, oh my I God. looked at the picture. We're looking at, this is the quotation, we're looking at how we can produce supplemental food by recycling things we don't need, says architectural designer Jakob Dunia, who created the conceptual line of furniture with industrial designer Ethan Fryer. The custom glass bioreactors use waste heat, light, and carbon dioxide from a home to feed the spirulina inside. That's an algae. Periodically, someone can turn a tap, empty out the green sludge, and eat it. Fuck, that's disgusting. <laughs> if you look at the article, which we will link to on the site in the show notes, yeah, they've got these glowing green orbs all throughout their apartment. Different sizes and shapes, and I don't know what those are doing, if those are capturing the, the sludge. Well, because then they've got this table with all these levers on it. Do you see that? You didn't yeah. watch the video. No, I'm no, looking at him. didn't do a damn thing. I've, I'm it's looking at it. This is a wonderful table. They've, and they Utility turn these levers. Utility and maintenance systems. Yeah. They're trying to be conceptual artists about it. But the, the takeaway is, are you going to grow your own algae and then drain it into a sludge and use it? Yeah. Something it's about it reminds me of, yeah, like pus <laughs> or something. It's, it's a, a highly nutritious food source. <laughs> what do you think, Dave? You I'm sure fucking sludge? dog shit is a highly nutritious <laughs> food source as well. But I can go down to the McDonald's and get a sausage McMuffin instead, and it tastes a lot better. Um, and has slightly less dog shit in it, probably. Slightly less, only slightly. Negligible. Well, I think what I like about this article, though, is it it touches on a theme that we were that we're always hitting oh, on in the show. Minute. Wait, what? Are you going to UX? No, I'm not going oh, to UX. Thank God. No, just that. Uh, I mean, right now we're able to enjoy all these wonderful foods that we're still able to grow. But is right. Is the Does Dave know about the meat apocalypse? Peak meat? I don't know. He what happened? He, he lives in California. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> you might be all right. It might be the next generation that loses meat. Yeah, just that we won't have the resources to grow meat because, it, especially water, it requires just so much water to produce, especially beef. Yeah, and we like don't a, have any of that here. No That's beef right. or no water. No water. No, no water. water. We got plenty Lots. of beef. Lots of beef. Yeah. That's where we get our water from. <laughs> from the beef. We just wring out the steak. Don't so. waste that blood. I'm going to drink that. So that's one thing that I... We, we're, this we're good at. Sometimes we get to these sort of high-level concepts like right. eat more salad. That's an actual thing you could do that would help the world and yourself and all these... The, 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 the diminishment of meat is coming. It, well, and, and if you're thinking about like futures where, where drones are delivering food and there's just limited very limited resources we might be looking for solutions maybe not this one where you're pouring sludge out of a couch but but i think you're going to start growing more of your own food yeah and it might be like not the kind of traditional food that you're it thinking of it might be algae that's gonna suck as i suck at growing stuff i've tried <laughs> it's easy it's like a light you turn on the lights and before you know it you got green sludge you can yeah. <laughs> what is it eating like your your skin flakes and shit what where is it coming from i didn't get Who? that part oh just no you're just whatever just the your farts yeah <laughs> You're eating just, your own farts. Yeah. They, I mean, the good thing about the smoothie algae. culture is it's kind of breaking us in for sludge 
when it, when it comes time to eat sludge. That's right. Because it's basically the same. Make dish. your own smoothie. There you go. That's you're right. Re you're ready for the sludge. Yeah. As a smoothie drinker, I think I'm ready. So, I mean, one thing that bugs me is whenever they do these sort of, we've seen a few of these. Remember that one that uh, it was like your own, you put plastic into this terrarium and yeah. it broke it down and turned it into like a weird mushroom that you yeah, could eat? Yeah, those were funky. But they didn't look like normal mushrooms? That's actually less disgusting than this But weird all of them try sludge. to, they try to make it this conceptual art piece mm -hmm. to like, oh, to convince me that it's beautiful and that therefore I'm going to like to do it. Yeah. They're trying to hide the like grow your own crap disgusting food thing underneath well i think the idea of photosynthetic design. furniture is okay i think they're missing the mark by making it a sofa using a sofa as an example i, I made like, that up i don't think it's a sofa no it says it right in the intro to the oh. i mean the first graph i don't know if that's was yeah because like a sofa that's like a pillow you ever hear that thing that like after three years half the weight of your pillow is just dead skin no well that'll haunt you for the rest of your day god is that true I thought someone, someone told me that. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. It's Did like burrowed into my brain. So there. <laughs> How often do you buy new pillows, Dave? Uh, I've had the same one for for many years. It's probably shellacked and farts. And see, it's probably the stuffing has compressed and some of it's maybe floated out, but it's probably filled with, with your skin now. Yeah. <laughs> dead, dead Dave's. It, well, dead yeah, Dave cells. Well, That's why I like his. it. It's, it's a part of me. All sorts of microbes inside that uh, house, apartment, wherever he's living. Oh, you want to talk about that? Animal, well, I put that one prematurely. But it's not just his skin inside that cushion. Oh, sure. no, it's got it's darts her. and farts on it, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his wife's skin and... All of it in there. Wife's the skin. occasional German Shepherd visitor skin. It's the blend. Yep. The German Shepherd, is that a visitor? Or is that a... You, you just have Beckett, right? The, the German Shepherd's on loan. His name's okay. Randy. Sometimes Rando Randy. Calrissian. Oh, I like Rando Calrissian. I like Randy. Oh, Randy's good, too. <laughs> yes. I know somebody that named their dog Kevin. And I thought that was nice, too. Yeah, I like when people give their pets, like, really kind of flat, human-sounding names. Yeah. Yeah, his nickname's Ira, as well, which is um, a strangely Jewish name for a German kill dog. Very popular in the podcast world, the name Ira. Yeah, I bet lots of podcasters have firstborn sons named Ira. <laughs> Moving just on. Hoping that they have eye deficiencies. Like, please let him wear. Surprise me. Oh, surprise. Okay, let me get my book. Yeah. Randy's ah. dog food, by the way, is kosher. It's perfect for. It says it's good for Passover. Well, there you go, Ira. I didn't know there was such a thing. Oh. I didn't either, but uh, there is kosher dog food. Who makes that? Um, it's in the kitchen. I can't get up to go All look right. at it because I'm on a podcast right now, but. <laughs> It's actually, it's like seriously. The open the can, it's like a pot roast in there. It's just really, oh, it's, it's, there's real hunks of beef that flake off, and I'm actually going to um, switch Beckett over to it because I think he's getting cancers and other weird shit from his Trader Joe's uh, dog food. Mm, that's not. That's not happy. No, that's not. Well, that sounds like that sounds like dog Trader, food Trader that you Trader could Joe's eat. Is not going to want to hear that in the apocalypse. What? You know, like in Mad Max, he's eating dog food. I'm thinking you at least, the, you know, at least that kind of dog food one, exists. No, the, this kosher, kosher yeah. dog food. I feel like I could make a sandwich out of that if I had to. Yeah, it's probably got a lot. It's got meat in it, though. Just uh, but I mean, in, in the apocalypse, with the water wars, when you're in the grips of the water wars, you'll eat anything. That's what Green I'm sludge. So just look out for that stuff, too. If you see, see, what are you holding in your hand? Okay. So this is Bartlett's Book of Anecdotes. It was a gift. Uh, and I just found it because I was looking for books because we stack Mark's microphone on a book on our own books because it, we don't have a mic stand for him. 
So I just looked through the index, was looking up food. And yeah, since why, why do you always get the mic stand? Because because it's my mic stand. Oh, I guess that's fair. You're responsible for your own mic stand, here, Buster. Own mic stand. Right. So this is a this is an anecdote that's attributed to H.G. Wells. It's related to food because I, as I mentioned, I cross-referenced food in the index. Smart. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, so here we go. At a dinner one evening, H.G. Wells expounded his theory that mankind had failed. The dinosaur had failed because he had, had, because he had concentrated on size. Homo sapiens had failed because he had not developed the right type of brain. So, Wells claimed, we will first destroy ourselves, then die out as a species and revert to mud and slime. And we shall deserve it, he added. One of the guests objected that uh, surely it wouldn't be as bad as that. One thousand years more, said Wells. That's all Homo sapiens has before him. So I didn't realize this podcast was really heavy. <laughs> what year was that written? I don't know. I threw the book away. <laughs> what, what, was the, what was the thing about the, design, the dinosaurs you cut out? They failed because why? They, were they concentrated on... on size, which is kind of a weird thing to imply yeah. that dinosaurs were focused on not size. The, not the velociraptor. That's true. There were a lot of like small, more bird-like dinosaurs. Right. But I think he might be onto something. Well, but I think he was. That's very hyperbolic. Imagine that. Imagine that guy at a dinner party. I know. Mm, Homo sapiens. It's like having you at a dinner party. Anytime someone orders meat, like, well, enjoy while you can. Enjoy while you can. Yep. Because pretty soon, your Mm -hmm. kids won't be able to have steak. That's right. (laughs) They don't like me when I do that. But they know. They know. I've planted the seed. So H.G. Wells. Yeah. That's what he does. Well, yeah, I mean, all those, his, his books are kind Why of... Why were we going to die out in a thousand years? What was the... Because we're our, our brains aren't sufficiently developed. We're stupid. We haven't figured out how to coexist, I think, is his main Did point. I tell you I saw Ex Machina? You did? Yeah. Yeah, well, I haven't seen it, so... Oh. And we can't talk about Fury Road, because you haven't seen that. Nope. So and you can't talk about Madman, because I haven't seen that. All right. Dave, have you seen Ex Machina? No, but I'm thinking of the thousand-year part, because that's an interesting... Idea. Not so much that we're going to die out, just the thousand years is an interesting choice. Because this is something, I can't remember where I read this, but I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And it's, it's more about your future choices. Like, would, it's, it's kind of like, what if the world ended tomorrow? But actually project that a little bit further. Like, what if the world ended, you knew the world was going to end in ten years? Would you have kids? Would you write a book? Mm. What about a hundred years? Would you do anything differently? Like, if you knew that, like... You know, like I want to, I want to. I'm working on another book, but it, part of me also thinks like, who gives a fuck? Like it's, just, it's not gonna. Like the way things are going, it does seem like the world's gonna end in ten years or a hundred years or a thousand years. I thought and, that was um, just me. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with Wells on this one, and it, it's it, and so it sort of makes you question all kinds of things. Like, yeah, uh, why not just fucking turn the water on and let it run like i don't give a fuck it's <laughs> we're not gonna be here for very long i mean i don't do that but um anyway i just wanted to bring this conversation way down no you i, seem I like to be that. having too much fun on, on that end well no, and i thought uh, we could no, use a little I, bit of i think pretty much we always end up in that place on this podcast <clears throat> is there a joy division beat on this thing that i can put that would be perfect Let's radio see. what do you um, just to put this uh, Wells anecdote in context here. So Herbert George Wells, 1866 to 1946. So, so best case, 2000. So probably when he was an adult. So we're thinking oh, no, no. maybe he was at this dinner party early 1900s. So, we, we're, so he's saying we'll be around until the 2900s? 
That's not so bad. <laughs> yeah, we got plenty of time. Yeah, I'll, I'll write that novel. Why not? <laughs> yeah, you should write that book. Oh. But still, you, you kind of always hope that things will get better. And sometimes they seem to, but Look, then... Look, this is the heavy part. Well, I feel like America's a weird... The youth? Have you seen what the youth are doing? Which youth? Uh, they don't want to buy cars anymore. Well, I like that. In the next five years, uh, something. Some, I think it was a study by Uber or Lyft. Mm-hmm. Say the youth. Fi- the, the, youth, youth are are da- <laughs> the youth are dancing to Club Dance Beat 038, because I was just shaking my butt to that. I hope you guys get to hear it when... That's a good way to stay in touch with youth culture is to just survey the beats in GarageBand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how you stay relevant. Yeah. Oh, this one's kind of, yeah, peppy. Yeah. But yeah, that, no, but uh, there maybe is hope in the sense that kids today, like, don't see race divisions the way their elders do. Like, no, this actually just came up, too, in um, a intro I did for, for King Shit, the Canadian skateboard magazine that I am a part of, and... Um, my intro was kind of a commentary on another magazine that ran a photo of Elway, a football player, the quarterback. Oh, John Elway. Yeah. We're in Denver. Yeah, that guy. And so my intro was kind of a mockery of that and also playing on those stereotypes of jocks and skaters and, and, and all this. And actually I, I had this whole thing about date rapists and raping going on in there because it's such a prevalent thing in football and basketball and whatnot but um the other editors up there and a lot of the the staff there's not a huge staff but it's just it's a lot of kids they didn't get it like i guess they read it as just like this is really harsh to jocks essentially and like they didn't understand because they don't really um that division doesn't exist anymore um between you know between kids who are like they don't kids don't see themselves as so isolated like I'm a skater or yeah. I'm a football player they um you know they transition through these categories a lot easier it's a lot um more transparent um and I knew that I've been in a lot of marketing meetings and stuff um where uh 50 year old men present you with all this information um so it's kind of fascinating to me at the same time I was like but, but but you have to know that like jocks and skaters and cops and none of these things shall ever mix, but apparently they do. So that made me feel old. Yeah, that's kind of one well, my day. Mm-hmm. Skateboarders were outcasts. Actually, Naraka's uh, response to it was the best because uh, he he asked uh, Atiba, who shot the photo of Elway, he asked Atiba was that pass switch. Because it's a photo of Elway throwing a pass, and it's full page in a skateboard magazine. It just was really weird. And Narako asked him, was that was that pass switch? And Atiba said, you know, we got way more shit um, for the photo of the sunset. Like, on the next page is a photo of a sunset, which is also really weird. Um, and no skating. And Narako's response to it was, well, in high school, I didn't get beat up by four sunsets because I was riding a skateboard. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. So that's Chris Narocco. He was the managing editor of Big Brother. Yes. And so you're talking about a spread that ran in the skateboard mag, is that right? Yeah. Shit. And was it just a collection of Atiba's photography? Atiba well, is a famous skate photographer. It was the, they were doing a, um, <laughs> a real original idea. It was like a day in the life of skateboarding. I think it was actually December 13th last year and so it was but this wasn't really explained in the magazine there was no article and there was no the captions were just you know name and trick um 
and but essentially what it was and it was just kind of implied was here are all of our photographers and here are their photos from that day um december 13 2014 and i think maybe the time was listed on the photo as well but beyond that there was no explanation so there was just this full page photo of john elway throwing a pass in the middle of a skateboard magazine along with a lot of other really weird photos that were (laughs) of the romantic variety like two-page spread of a bunch of dudes sitting in a van and two-page spread of a dude of costin pushing down the street you know black and white very um a lot a lot of emotion in it and um wait but this is 2014 so this is old man john elway throwing a pass yeah that's newsworthy i guess (laughs) to this i don't i don't yeah no it's very odd it's very odd so here's something this this made me think of this uh Maybe Dave will see the parallels because I feel like maybe there are some. So we talk a lot about the natural food industry and how a big faction of it is uh, kind of rooted in like no science, like pastoral ways. Like we grow it like our grandparents grew it. And it's kind of hard to maneuver around those people. And I think where Mark and I see natural food headed is that science is going to come back into it. And it's kind of for the reasons we're just talking about. We're going to need science's help to grow food in more difficult growing conditions. Um... So it kind of reminds me of skateboarding a little bit because skateboarding, if you go back to like the Dogtown era, it was like very locals only, like don't fuck with our medicine, like this is our shit. And it was kind of hard to break into. And I think yeah, there's that that uh, mindset might be kind of going away a bit in skateboarding. Because oh. like even when I started skateboarding, which was would it be like, what, at least 15, 20 years after Dogtown, it was still very much like the kids from the broken homes were skateboarding. It was like kind of a <laughs> outsider thing um but now it's like if you're good at skateboarding you're you know just as you're popular as the quarterback of little the little john. High school not little football john team little wayne little wayne little wayne you're what not little john <laughs> no <laughs> what <laughs> yeah no what i'm saying is that now you you can be a skateboarder and it's, it's a very popular right. choice of uh yeah sport. yeah um yeah that kind of came up as well in that the discussion of that intro that i wrote was um yeah skaters are um it's possible to be a skater and be in the popular crowd at your school today which um you know and from when i grew up was not not the case get Um, yourself a penny board yeah those bother me god those little things i hear they're um there's, it's really fun. I love when I see they're very popular in California because it's kind of a it bridges a gap between kids who don't skate but are they like the skateboard lifestyle or they like the way the skateboarding looks so they just buy one of those boards. But there's always like the one fat kid on them and they already look weird for an adult size human being to be riding because they're so tiny and your feet are so close together. <laughs> It's the complete antithesis of the longboard, which is like some dude in survival stance with his fucking feet four in, feet apart. It's the fat yeah, kid. In adventure sandals. It's the in fat it, yeah. kid problem. Yeah. But the fat kid on those little boards is always um, very good. amusing to me. So I like them for that reason because I guess, you know, it gives me a little giggle. <laughs> I sit like, oh, you little shit. You're so funny. But is it, is it dismaying at all to you to see how skateboarding is... is Part of me, no, no. I mean, it's it great that it's everywhere, think, and it's just like it's still progressing as a sport or an activity yeah. or whatever. But like some of that specialness has eroded. Like it's not. 
like the reasons I clung to it so hard, I think had as much to do with, um, like belonging to a, a group as it did, uh, oh, being this... really necessarily good at skateboarding. I'm I don't know. Good. I think, I think that like the, the original spirit of skateboarding, whatever that is, but it's close to what you're describing, you know, it's just kind of a, I don't want to say like outlaw activity, but you know, it attracted the bad kids or whatever. And it was, you know, it's, it's, it's rough. Um, but, and, and, and you know, it was a long time ago, even when I was working for big brother, when I realized like, I'm not, I can't, I can't change skateboarding or what's going to happen to it. So skateboarding is always going to be what skateboarding is to me. And there's a lot of new elements to skateboarding now, which are, you know, some are good, some are bad. Um, and it, it's always been like that in skateboarding, no matter what the year. If it was fucking 1979, 1989, 1999, there's good elements and bad elements. And the sport's always progressing. And, um, you know, the, the bad stuff falls away and the stuff that um, benefits the sport remains. It's just kind of survival of the fittest um, in terms of ideation. <laughs> I was... That's uh, that's like some elder statesman shit right there. Yeah, and it applies. Wisdom. You it can't applies. you can't say think that way when you're 18 railing against uh, your suburban mom. No, you cannot. 40 ounces will not get you that wisdom. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's the exact same. I mean, this anything that has sort of a that outsider outlaw status and then gets co-op. That's natural food. That's exactly. exactly. It was Woodstock, and now it's. General Mills buying Annie's and buying every brand that they can find that's like caught the imagination of culture and what does that mean to the spirit of what it was? So yeah, so I mean, natural food can look to skateboarding as a bit of a roadmap if they want Close because cousins. while skateboarding has like some of the things like Dave said have gone by the wayside, it's not so much an outlaw activity anymore, but it's it's still continued to progress and people are still doing like more impressive things every day on skateboards. So it's not like it's so aside, growing. aside from Spencer Hamilton and who else did and his close cabal of health foodists. Oh, like is there any crossover? Are there crossovers? Like, I mean, people go skate park. They're not bringing a kind bar, are they? Well, no, but if you think about like, uh, so we've, we've talked a little, not on the podcast. I don't think we haven't talked about Ed Templeton, but huge figure in skateboarding. And I think I, did you watch the documentary I sent you about him? I did not. Okay. But when you think, but I will. But he uh, was a vegan forever, like as far back as most skateboarders can remember. Ed Templeton was a vegan, and his that lifestyle and that dietary choice was like a big part of his persona. Because I think back then too, I think skateboarders, maybe they still have really rich personas, but you you kind of picked your guy based on the skill set and the style, and then also like their lifestyle. You mm-hmm. like you like the choices they made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what they, what they did off the board is as important as what they do on the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's probably like thousands of people all over the world who are vegan or vegetarian because of Ed Templeton, yeah. in a way. Yeah, so. there's also uh, Jeff Rowley um, oh, yeah. and uh, Mike Flavelli, who I don't know if he's vegan anymore, but both both Rowley and Ed's like diets and philosophies um, you know, also was part of the products they sold. Both have had... Um, Shoes that are you know made of synthetic materials and no no animal products in them. Um, I think Rowley's shoes continue to be that. And you know Ed made had a company called Sheep, which was the shoe company. Which that's what it was. It was all synthetic based products, or you know the shoes are manufactured using synthetic based products, no animal products in them. Um, and yeah, that's um, off the top of my head. I can't really think of 
a lot of them. But yeah, Ed's a, Ed's a big one. He's he's had a major influence on on skating people. And yeah, Spencer is a a, a more modern version of that. Yeah, and I think Spencer's approach actually has more of that kind of compromise element to it, where it's because it's not as hardline as veganism. It's like eat more intelligently, but sometimes it's eat pretty a steak. nuanced. Yeah. Yeah. He's thought it through. He's read Fast Food Nation as much as you, I bet. I only read it once, but I, I tend to reference it a lot. <laughs> it's the only book he talks about on his podcast. Well, everything, I think that book started a lot of conversations. There's a lot of good info in Are there. Are you ready for this? Can I do a story? Oh, yeah. Goodbye, Bert. That one? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sure. I'll, well, am I on this one? Right. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, NPR, Lucy Perkins. Don't know her. Bert Shavitz, namesake and co-founder of Bert's Bees, dies. Oh, yeah, Bert died. Bert mm. died. We, this is, uh, who said this? The company in a statement. We remember him as a wild-bearded and free-spirited main man, a beekeeper, a wisecracker, a lover of golden retrievers. That's a very tame... He's breed-specific, like Dave. Happy dog. Uh, a reverent observer of nature and the kind of face that smiles back at us from our hand salve. Mm. This guy... So, so it's pronounced salve, huh? I always want to go a little salve. Nope. Okay. I think I'm right on that one. Yeah, we'll see. I like pronounce the W in sword. <laughs> Sword. <laughs> Swordsman. So there's a, there's a documentary of Bert that I also want to watch called... Uh, uh, Bert's Buzz? Bert's Buzz, yeah. yeah. I've seen that on my Netflix queue. He looks crazy, Almost right? watched it a lot of times. Legendary figure. So here's the quick history lesson. I think pioneer in the industry uh, for a lot of reasons to create that whole sort of personal care category. Like but it was accidental. And, he was like it was wandering accidental. and saw some bees in a fence post and a friend had given him all the equipment necessary to kind of be, to keep bees. He had all the hive stuff but not the bees. Yeah, so he's and like, he got oh, the fuck, bees. there are my bees. And then this from the bees, he and his lover... A hitchhiker. A hitchhiker. <laughs> he and his lover created this company mm-hmm. that then she bought him out and then eventually they sold it to Clorox. Clorox mm. now owns Burt's Bees. But this thing is everywhere. It's one of the, it was the first sort of one of the first natural brands to go just broad. They're in yeah. Target. They're everywhere. They're they have Walgreens. like 89% brand recognition was in that story. And unlikely, too, because it's got this grizzled but kind the, of... But the guy. And he stuck guy. around as the, as, the fa- as the face of the company. Look, can I read these, these things he says? Yeah, go for it. I'm going to read you some of them. Because who wouldn't want to know this guy? This is Bert. I had no desire to be a, be a upward mobile rising yuppie with a trophy wife, a trophy house, a trophy car. Okay. I think, real quick, anytime he says the word be, you should. I had no desire to be. It's like a <laughs> bees. I'm less interested in the inside of whatever it is I own than on the outside of what it sits on. Oh, his house is fucking filthy. I, I watched the, uh, I watched the trailer for the documentary, and I. I got do you, I I just was like this I'm not watching this movie because I I I feel like I can get you know the legend of McDodges on whatever on History Channel and then there's also Mountain or no Alaskan Bush People Whoa. on Discovery these two these two shows kind of um, accomplish everything you want to see about old bearded men who live in the woods um, I just like the the, the birth guys. Which is fine and good. I, I I loved his chapstick and whatnot. But um, when I watched the the trailer for it, I was like, he he can't compete with Mitch Dodge. Mick Dodge. Like, <laughs> if I'm gonna watch an old man in the woods, it's gonna be Mick Dodge. Yeah. yeah, I think he there, he's he, he has his own group. 
his yeah. own little cult. Well, Dave, do you remember Eustace Conway? Do you remember that book, Last American Yeah, Man? yeah, no, and I just watched... Uh, we, he's on uh, Mount, some reality show. Right? Mountain Man, yeah, we watched yeah. that too. I just watched it last night, in fact. he's. Um, we were just talking that Eustace, and Eustace has got this sidekick that's with him, um, and neither of them, when they talk, they don't open their mouths, and they both kind of sound like babies. This is... <laughs> Tanya and I were commenting on this last night. Last night was they... They had they're clearing out a forest and they needed to make a sled um, to drag all the logs out and just them making a sled. The, the show is fucking ridiculous because it's just <clears throat> it's like one thing after another. Like they need to build a sled to drag the wood out so that they can set up their lumber business. But in order to build the sled, they need this hammer. But their hammer broke, so they have to like forge a new fucking hammer. So then they have to go on a journey to find some iron to smelt and it just like it just goes off on these crazy tangents about and and it's always like and if we don't get this wood cut i don't know what's gonna happen well i don't know what's gonna happen either but it doesn't sound like anything really that bad's gonna happen to you they just, <laughs> yeah there's a tv crew to tension. help you. you gotta create the tension uh, uh and Bert's, uh, i've actually switched off of um oh. tanya tanya doesn't like um Bert's, uh she prefers Blistex, and I, I've I've had to agree. I think the um, uh, Blistex and we lost the other uh, what? No, that, I heard him. No, no, I'm saying the natural products community oh, uh, lost a consumer. Yeah, to Blistex. To Blistex. Let lost two consumers. Yeah, oh, it's a little um, too waxy. Yeah, um, and doesn't provide the same because I'm hungover a lot, and so I look like a fucking crackhead. My my <laughs> lips are just peeling apart. They look like a like one of those streets in Philadelphia, like our earliest streets. Maybe I should actually compare it to a street in Ireland. Dublin. England, Dublin, yeah. But yeah, my, I get really chap lips, and so I, I need that stuff often. And while the Burt's Bee stuff is adequate, and it's, it's just kind of waxy, and it doesn't really provide the, the relief or the healing that I get from Blistex. You need petroleum. You need some petroleum on your lips. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, some oil products. Well, let's get that off the coast of uh, Santa Barbara right now. There you go. You could just kind of dip your lips in the Gulf of Mexico. And yeah. Bee soup? Or you want to uh, – Dublin didn't, we could also go to Ulysses. Oh, well, I had – I brought my copy of Ulysses. Oh, oh thank God. <laughs> well, because Dave likes Ulysses. Dave's read it how many times? <laughs> um I think I've read it three times, but I mean, I'm also listening to I, a great podcast is um, Rejoice by Frank Delaney, which Ooh. I like when I hear it because he starts every podcast like Rejoice. Hello, I'm Frank Delaney. And, <laughs> yeah, we um, need that. We is he the guy who reads like a page a day? Not a page. It's less than of- that. He's he's up to a paragraph at most. And it's not per day. It's once a week. It's It's about a 10 minute podcast plus or minus a couple minutes every week, and he just is slowly making his way through Ulysses. So I guess I'm on my fourth reading, although um, Finnegan's Wake is really the primary Joyce text for me. See, I still have not finished Ulysses. I think I told you I took a class at a writer's workshop, and it was amazing, like the teacher... Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's great he to take really classes. Ex- yeah, and he, he really kind of cracked the code of how to read this book, but it's it's not a book well, that you can read before bedtime. Well, let's hear it. Well, I'm trying there's to a, find... There's a great page? quote by uh, Robert Anton Wilson about um, Finnegan's Wake, and I'm going to totally botch it, but essentially what he said was, 
and like you can't read Finnegan's Wake alone. You have to hunt it like with a hunting party, and and chase it down. And um, um, I don't know where the rest of the quote went, but basically, yeah, you have to have a hunting party to hunt for the words and the meanings and, and everything, which I think is also beneficial to Ulysses as well. It works really well in a um, group setting, and that's what the podcast kind of works functions as for me. I like all that. Yeah, Nerd no, shit. It's, it's that's a yeah, because like reading with a group and like talking about shit. It's, helps because you can you can get this book can fill you with despair if because you're by like Bert Shavitz yeah. a good day is when no one shows up and you don't have to go anywhere this is the antidote to that sometimes right. you got to be in a room full of people reading Joyce it's fucking a right we'll see okay wh- the reason I brought it up other than Dave being here is that Mark hasn't read it and one thing that I distinctly remember from that class is I've read a lot of tough books though I'm not hey I know right. you've read uh, what's Foster Wallace's thing Infinite Jest. I've read all the, ca- the whole catalog. Oh, have you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mark's well read. I, I don't want to put out the impression that Mark. He's read a- way more books than I have. I was an English major. Whoa, whoa you moving furniture? <laughs> What's happening? What is that? Uh, I'm surprised Beckett hasn't left. There he is. <laughs> this is the kind of day it was when GPS arrives. Oh. All right, so Mark, but one thing that I took away from that class is that the descriptions of food and eating in this book are so rich and kind of uh, impactful and threaded and it oh. just shows like... Uh, you're excited. I'm, you're, you're, so let's hear it. It's st- right, right when you meet Leopold Bloom, right? So there's this big M. What was the significance of the M? I forget. There's like a big U. There's like big letters. Molly. Molly? The drug? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. See, stately, plump, Buck Mogan. Okay. Kanye. Huh? Oh, it's M. It's Mr. That's what it is. Mr. Leopold Bloom. Is that just like the, the way they typeset the page? The big M to start the word Mr.? Yeah, this is Joyce fucking with you. <laughs> oh, all right. Is it? So I'll just read a little bit because it happens right away. You meet Leopold Bloom. The first thing he's doing is eating or preparing food, I think. Uh, Mr. Leopold Bloom ate with relish the inner organs of beasts and fowls. He licked thick giblet soup, nutty gizzards, a stuffed roast heart, liver slices fried with crust crumbs, fried hencods rose. Most of all, he liked grilled mutton kidneys, which gave his palate a fine tang of faintly scented urine. Ooh. How? You need like a, like a soundtrack for that piece of the podcast, it's like some sort of dinner music. Well, no, he, no, no he's, he's eating, I think this is breakfast, actually. Ooh. Urine? Um, and it, he's Jewish, so it's funny that he's eating, I think he eats some non-kosher foods. Maybe not in this graph, Check but I think the, uh, he does eat some pork. He likes pork. I don't know. You, we can't get too far into this. <laughs> but you see what I mean? Because you will fail immediately. Well, I'm not yeah. a fucking scholar. <laughs> I'm the butthole who hasn't finished the book yet. And it was flurried. Yeah, huh? All right. Hey, I just read that. Did you like it? Was it evocative like it. for you? You it son of a bitch. It see was what I'm saying? Evocative. I like that's the, also the part where the, uh, the, the, he feeds it to the cat. That's one of the best, oh, best yeah, yeah. spellings of a cat meowing. M K G N A O. M K G N O. Is that not a cat sound? So close to G M O. Well, it is, but it's also it's it's written as dialogue too. Oh, it's fucking oh, awesome. That is good. Okay, two things. One is off the top of my head, and I might be wrong, but the 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 big letters. There's three of them, I believe. S is the first one for Stephen. 
Um, it's it's uh, the second one is M for Molly, and they're the principal characters in those parts of the book. Like all right, Steven's Molly the Bloom. beginning, and then I was Molly, thinking of Molly the drug. I thought you were talking about M A L I. You were joking. No, and then, no, and then the Molly last Bloom. part, Molly's Jesus, soliloquy Josh. begins with B because Bloom is the center of is the subject of her soliloquy mostly. Second, my next thing I was going to say is food things is in Dublin. We didn't do as much Ulysses stuff on this one trip that we did last time. We did a few things, but one of the new things we did was we went to Davy Burns Pub, which is where um, Bloom goes, and he has a glass of Burgundy and a Gorgonzola sandwich. And this pub is still there, although it's I don't know what it looked like then, because now it's kind of modern and sort of Italian looking on the inside, like marble counter. But they have. Um, like that's it's on the wall. Like that's the Bloom special. You can get a glass of Burgundy and a Gorgonzola sandwich, and it's so fucking gross. Like I don't know. It's just I was. I mean, it wasn't gross. It was really exciting to have it, but at the same time, like the pictures of it, Tanya was even saw like she was there, so I, she knew what it was. But when she, I was looking at the pictures later, and she was like, "What the fuck?" Oh, she, she thought it was like a sponge. It just looked really gross. The Gorgonzola sandwich in the plate. It's just, but um. So a yeah, lot of, those are, there's a lot of food stuff in, in Ulysses. There is. It's 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 all about the rich stew of life, really. Oh, yeah. Jesus, come on. Well, it kind of is. What as is cheesy it? as that sounds. No, but it really, there's so much, everything's connected. I believe And not it. just physical objects, like mythology and thoughts, everything <laughs> swirls together. It's great. I want now. I'm wanting, I'm wanting to read it. I might read a paragraph tonight. Just, just, just <laughs> go I'll ahead. I'll be able to get through. You can start right now. You want me to read some more from yeah. Ulysses? We'll continue. What, what do we got? We got any? We got. We got two. Oh, we got B soup. Let's do that one quick, and then we got one that that big one to end on. So Mark wants us to just kind of blow through this, Dave. Uh, <laughs> crushing bees into a DNA soup could help conservationists understand and even reverse the decline of their population. From a new study says this is from Business Standard. Uh, it's a staff. Looks like it's a staff report. The headline is oh, Bee Soup that. Could Save Bees. Um, you know, honestly, I think I just picked this article because of bee soup. I think it's kind of a junky article. No, it's right? legit. Oh, well, yeah. But okay, so the problem is like there's all there's bees all over. They're all wild bees. They're all over the place, right? No, the problem is that there aren't. No, I know, but it's hard to like they need a diverse uh, to, st- to sample study base. Them. Yes, to study them in order to save them. Yeah, so they need bee soup. <laughs> you just bee crushed. Soup. You crushed that, that story. <laughs> you crushed that one. <laughs> I crushed it like a the bees are dying, dying insect. CCD, colony collapse disorder. We don't know why. Some yeah. people think it's pesticides. Some people think it's mites. Some people think it's we feed Climate them change. high fructose corn sugar syrup. In the or it might be because people are making them into bee soup. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> we have a new contender. Uh, insect actually, soup. bee soup just sounds like another name for honey. If I, was, if I was a honey manufacturer, I'd consider that as a title for my product. Burt's Bees Soup. Ide- well, just ideated. See, so you're ideating, Dave. You, you just gotta, can't you help yourself. you got to charge for that. I'm, I'm always, always on. Yeah. Insect Soup is a, is a sensitive thermometer for the state of nature. And large-scale bee monitoring programmies, that's how it's spelled here, would really benefit from this type of DNA sequencing, you said. Yeah. That'd be why you. Not Interesting you, approach. Not you, Mark, or you, Dave. I know you guys didn't just say so that. So you trap a bunch of bees, you grind them up, you look at their DNA and see how healthy that little area is. Mm-hmm. Is that you got that? Yeah. yeah. No, I read the article. I was teasing a minute ago. 
my unpreparedness was part of the shtick. It's good. It's it's this whole genome shit. Yeah, DNA. but we, we have this theory too, though. That uh, speaking of drones, drone bees are on the way too. Right about the time that bees go extinct will be about the time we've perfected little tiny drone bee technology to do all the pollinating. That's right. Yeah, so we can keep our food. I don't know if they'll make honey still. I did read an article, or maybe I saw it, I don't know. This information came to me in some form or another, but it was, um, I think it was in China or Japan where um, people, they manually pollinate the flowers um, Mm -hmm. or the fruit. I think it was, yeah, I think it was oranges. And surprisingly, um, we do it better than bees, or we're more efficient at it than bees are. But... Um, but we we smell we poop we poop more than the bees do and make a bigger mess afterwards. Yeah, we produce way more waste. But who wants to really do that for a living? Pollinate bees? Yeah, manually pollinate crops. See, that could be something like that monks could do. I could see that. Oh, there you go. Like instead of making beer, or they could make you know trap monks. Just, just make numb beer. out. Yeah. Or they start making mead. Probably. We could all be investment bankers for ten years, then we could full stop. Pollinate crops like a drone bee for ten years to decompress. I could be into that. Could that could be a human life. I wouldn't mind that. That would be cool to have kind of a me- the meditative period of your life, the epoch where you don't yeah, make. You money. wouldn't get through the first part. An investment banking? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think I would survive that. Last story. Last story. Full Fritz. Full Fritz. The myth of big bad gluten by oh boy, Moises. Moses. Moses? I don't know. M-O-I-S-E-S. Moises. Can you ask the UPS guy? <laughs> I don't pronounce that Moish, but I don't know. <laughs> Velasquez Manoff, I think. I think this was an opinion piece in the New York Times. Uh, so, I, I, did you read this one? I could just ask the Hungarian woman across the street, the crazy cat lady. She's Hungarian. We've lived here for 11 years now, and... Every day she calls her cats, and they have weird Hungarian names. Um, one of them sounds like Machu Picchu, and the other one, I think another phrase Which she uses is, is come to mommy or something in Hungarian, but it sounds like edamame. So at night she just sounds like she's yelling, and this is what's going on right now outside. It's like it's all hell's breaking loose. Is the she's out, out there? She, I don't know. She just, no, they're out all the time, but she just needs to be comforted by them at random times. And so she'll start yelling out in the neighborhood. It's like, Machu Picchu, edamame. Machu Picchu, edamame. It's pretty good. That is good. That's, had, a, that's a meme right there. We could do something on social media with that. Yeah. We had a, when we lived in Chicago, we had this neighbor. It was like a, a lady and her daughter, grown daughter, who clearly had looked like maybe some meth problems. Ooh. She was always kind of a mess. And supposedly they had a cat named Cuddles. I never saw this cat, but it was like always missing. And at like two in the morning, you'd hear her out there. She'd go, Cuddles! Cuddles! And it would go on for like, I don't know, 45 minutes of just Cuddles! That's not what you That's want. a weird thing to be yelling out in the street. <laughs> like, free Cuddles! Either I'm looking for my cat or I want a hug. All right. So this, are, this, this, this piece, which I thought was pretty thoughtful, actually. Mm-hmm. We need to get smarter about gluten. Yeah, we do. Which hits close to home. That it lady does. needs to get smarter about naming her cats. At least she didn't name it <laughs> butt fucking. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, 
But yeah, it does I'll hit read close this to whole home. quote. Overlooked in all this gluten blaming is the following. Our default response to gluten, says Dr. Jabri, is to treat it as the harmless protein it is, to not respond. So we've talked about this. There are there's a small but meaningful piece of the population that is celiac and can't tolerate gluten. Yes. There's a larger piece that's sort of intolerant and it kind of disturbs you and you don't feel as good. And then there's the faddishness of it with exacerbated by Gwyneth Paltrow and many others that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, oh, you're going to feel great and younger and lose weight and have energy and don't eat gluten. So when you dig into the science of it, this is what's always rankled me about it. Is that the word? Yes. I like rankled. Rankled. It's just, a, it's, it's like a thing. There's nothing wrong with it. You're, it's not really good or bad for your body. And so what this particular opinion piece does, oh boy, is extend the circle into that dark territory where we were before about how all this autoimmune crap happening in us is perhaps indicative of whole bunches of systems are shutting down in your body. What the? We got... I think Dave's scratching his shirt. It won't come through on his... uh... It's, it sounds like there recording. is an apocalypse happening right there in that jungle he's living in. Uh, I'm, I'm actually kind of looking around, seeing what's going on, because I stopped listening when the, the the word gluten just kind of makes me roll my eyes and go like, I don't give a fuck about this. It just, huh, okay. I don't have any, I don't have any allergy issues or food issues, and so I just kind of turn off when I hear and people t- are having oh. that those issues and that issue in general yeah. well i'm kind of well, the same I, way but it, our it, youngest son is dave right remember dave and tanya took our family out to dinner or i mean out to lunch oh. it was very very is this a thing. nepotistic yeah. podcast it is it's, it's i just delightful. wanted to fluff dave a little bit but uh we went to a french restaurant in los angeles i can't remember a uh, stella trattoria maybe or something, oh, or very something. Good. Stella. Yeah. No, stella yeah it was yummy uh but yeah my youngest son we haven't actually had him tested because the blood test wouldn't really give us much information, and the true, like, allergy test is like a stomach scrape, which mm. seems a bit yeah. intense for the because we know through trial and error that if he has if he eats gluten, he gets leg pains, and he gets real cranky. Yeah. He had at Disneyland, he ate a little bit of gluten in a dessert that we had forgot was for his brother, and uh, right. he started limping with him. Like, but what Mark minutes. was just reading, if I. Was, I was half listening, so I, what I caught was that that's an opinion piece where the person's saying that it's not an actual thing, <laughs> well, or it's not caused by gluten. No, anyway. I think he's saying that some people do have. I don't think he's disputing it's that there are real gluten. food allergies, but that it might not be. Yeah, that the gluten might not be the the whole problem. Too, the problem is that our autoimmune system is so jacked from right. all the weird oh, from, shit we from eat. What? That Who knows? So, but there's two t- two points here. One is that I had that exact same thought and regret it to this day. What podcast was that where I'm like, your kid's making this up? Oh, yeah. You didn't know about the <laughs> like, limping. Like the one time you like, he got some traction by like, I don't I don't feel good. It was the gluten. And then from then on, we can't have gluten. He can't. No, no, he limps like, yeah, then, like a little orphan. And Josh is like, no, Son no, we bitch. took him to the ER once with limping. Oh, yeah. okay, great. My apologies to uh, Ari and the family. But hey, the larger point is that good. yes. So you kind of put, connect some dots. All like a lot of people are getting um, allergies to pollen, and that's weird. Pollen's in the world; it's always been in the world. Why is that happening now? Mm-hmm. A lot of people are getting MS, where their body like starts to attack itself. A lot of people are getting these food allergies, where we've had this food for a long time. It's wheat. Is it a different kind of wheat? Who knows? So, mm-hmm. what's scary about this point? Is, well, let me read that. 
that there might be more insane allergies to come, that there might be more fad diets per, based per, on... Per, 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 per. Perhaps the sugary, greasy Western diet increasingly recognizes pro-inflammatory. It's partly responsible. Maybe shifts in our intestinal microbial communities. I'm talking about that sofa cushion. Yeah. Driven by antibi antibiotics and hygiene have contributed. Whatever, you know, all those hand sanitizers killing all the... You're fond of that stuff. No, I'm not. You used to be. No, I like the bugs. Whatever the eventual answer... Just so stories about what we evolved eating and what that means blind us to this bigger and really much more worrisome problem. The modern immune system appears to have gone on the fritz. Maybe we should stop asking what's wrong with wheat and begin asking what's wrong with us. Jesus. I hear that so shit heavy. and I just, I, yeah, I just shut down. I'm like, I can't do anything about that. You're telling me I'm going to get, I'm going to become celiac, get MS, not be able to go outside, and I can't help it. I mean, you could also get hit by a bus. <laughs> Thanks, so. Moises. It's about right. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Thanks. Yeah, right, I mean, well. it's just another thing to worry about. Yeah, but I mean, you, it's, it makes worrying. an interesting point. I, I feel like our, yeah, our modern lives are so detached from even how people lived a generation ago. So it's not surprising that there are tumultuous occurrences. Well, we've changes. introduced a, we've introduced a lot of chemicals and whatnot into our. Yeah, food like, supply that we haven't that haven't been in the food su supply long enough to really know the long term effects for and yeah sure yeah we could be mistaking you know chemical or whatever additive X as the gluten problem um, yeah I I, I I hope it's it's sort of that easy <clears throat> that it's like oh that thing's a problem and that and we can pick them off one by one but what I really worry about is that it's just this toxic load over time like. Decade after decade, there's more chemicals and more of them, and like the exposure to them, you reach a point where like the body can't fight them off enough anymore. So yeah, that's why I disagree with Orson Welles on that one. Like, it's th a thousand years is just too generous. <laughs> it's too generous. <laughs> but it's possible that you know the weak will die off from this, but Kids. the strong will develop new capabilities and resistances, and maybe we'll become super chemical beings. This is the Tyson diet. We gotta flesh this out. Well, no, my my thing is like you, toxic you Avenger. <laughs> just eat yeah. a little bit of the bad stuff every day. Well, I think you should. Yeah, you should avoid. I mean, I, I avoid GMOs just because the jury's still out on. You know, it could possibly be fucking you up, and you don't know. But it's impossible to completely avoid all these toxins yeah, and really things like that. Them. So you want to have you a little bit them. of it in your system, so your system's not completely weak and you know traumatized when it comes in contact with yeah, this stuff. Yeah, but you know who's got the weak systems? Kids. Not my kids. <laughs> Except for that gluten thing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you need to be feeding him just a little bit every we day. We do, we do. He, oh, he, yeah. he loves to drink green juice, like the Odwalla green juice, and that has wheatgrass in it, which I think has trace. Jesus. <laughs> what? I think it has traces of gluten because they can't stamp that. You said Odwalla, and we get back to the green sludge. That's probably got some algae in it. Yeah, see, You're wrapping up the podcast like a no, pro. But not quite, because we forgot one our one recurring feature. Salad of the week. Spatchcock. <laughs> salad of the week. Yeah, but I didn't go to the place. Oh, you son of a bitch. Mark was supposed to go to a special salad in Boulder yesterday. Yeah, the bloody, the bloody good salad. Yeah, one of our uh, Instagram followers, a devoted listener. Jay Hey Achach. Yeah, I'm not sure what his uh, tag mean or his uh, Instagram handle yeah. means, but. I didn't do it. I'll buy it. Okay. I'll Dave, did you, have you had a salad this week of note? Yeah, that's a good question. Can you share a salad with us? Um, have you had any it's, vegetables? It's, it's funny that I can actually answer this question in the affirmative. I can say yes. I've been kind of dabbling with that um, you're vegetarian to... until 6 p.m. diet. The Bitman diet. 
The Bitman dart, yeah. Although I'm not very rigorous in it. Um, like I had a salad. We made uh, swordfish the other night. <laughs> I swear I'm really trying to learn how to say it correctly. Do you know the original word was sword with no W, and the W is kind of in a modern insertion, and I don't know why, but um, I, I really, yeah, it's, I need to fix it. I'm working on it, guys. I'm working on it. I think the uh, hashtag the modern Hungarians, insertion. Hungarians brought that hashtag. We made, we, made, we made swordfish the other night, grilled it, and um, some leftover, there was some leftovers um, the next day, and I had that on my salad at lunch, and it was really Ooh, good. I, I'm pretty simple with just, like, whatever vegetables we have, greens, and then just, like, lemon and olive oil. So do you buy, it. like, a bag of mixed greens or a box of mixed greens? Yeah, or? it's usually something like that. There was a... Um, Yesterday's was actually like a uh, was not from one of those. It was actually a head of greens um, that had like purple edges on it. I don't remember what it was, but it wasn't one of those pre-mixed boxes. This week, this week is an actual head of foliage. I don't know what it is. Is it like a compact, compressed cabbage-like head, or is it kind of a loose? No, no, it's it's loose. It's like it's it's a salad green. You'd recognize it. It's very mm. common. I just don't know what it's called. Boston bib lettuce, lettuce maybe. I don't no, know. No, living no, lettuce. No, it's a. Uh, it's got it's got a purple tip. Fringed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got something has got a purple yeah. tip for you. He'll give you a modern insertion <laughs> with his purple tip. That's like uh, it's romaine, isn't it? Or uh, it it's looks not like a romaine, romaine but romaine yeah, kind of a green. Yeah, I think it's romaine. Romaine goes green to purple. Yeah. Romanian. It? Maybe it's some version of romaine. I've never seen that. Yeah. Well, it's thanks, a, it's Dave, an heirloom romaine. Oh, sorry. We're done. I was just, no, no, I'm not wrapping that up. I'm just wrapping up the salad of the week. <laughs> we, we have a little bit of music that plays. That's why That's why the pause. Yeah. we got lots well, of audio cues. I think we've I taken see. up most of his morning. We sure have. We should let him go. Oh, crap. Oh. i got to go get my celiac son from the art garage. So. I, I have to go downtown. <laughs> yeah. i got to go get drunk. You're going to go get drunk? No, I'm going to go swim. Oh, yeah. Then get drunk. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Beckett. Indeed. Thank you. Thanks for being on the ranch. Yeah, no, thanks fun. for that, too. This we is, didn't really... This is, like, part of that. <laughs> this is one of the honors. This is a perk. This is a perk. The Nat Ranch. You get to struggle through a podcast with us as we don't have our audio set up right away, but still. That's good. Nice work, fellas. Thank okay. you. See so you here's tomorrow. where it fades out, and then... Uh, yeah, if you can just send us, do you, do you want us to send you the credentials to our media fire accounts? Thanks for listening to Natchcast. Ah, thank you, Dave. Dave Carney, that was wonderful. Always nice to talk to Dave. Even more fun when there are microphones involved. And it's uh, at Acid Invader, not at Ass Invader, if you're looking for Dave's Instagram handle. Although I'm pretty sure by now he must have secured at Ass Invader as well, because how are you going to sleep on that? Natch, we are on the Twitter and the Instagram, at Real Natch. Uh, also, Natch.is is where we lives. New feature there, too, for all you industry folk, Natch Lab. That's right. Uh, the ideation we do behind the scenes is somehow even better than the ideation that you hear on the podcast each week. So until next week, you know, send us some money. Uh...